America, Washington, D.C., signing on. When the Santa's Back in the saddle, voice is feeling a little bit better here in the G Camp, located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina. I, of course, am NC Scout, the best-selling author of The Gorilla's Guide to the Baofeng Radio and The Gorilla's Guide to Signals Intelligence, which you can find. Both are currently bestsellers on Amazon.com. The Gorilla's Guide to the Baofeng Radio has just really been crushing it uh, in the top 500 of all books on Amazon in the rankings. That is wild. That is absolutely wild to me. Uh, but uh, anyway, warming up the voice here, sounding a little bit better. Definitely feeling a lot a bit better, too. Uh, recharged a bit, getting back on the air, of course. Brushbeater.store is rocking and rolling. There is new products that are coming in. There's a lot of stuff that's sold out right now over there. A lot of stuff that's sold out. But we're getting shipments of things coming in regularly. Um and uh, if something is out of stock, it is not going to be out of stock for very long. And there's a couple of products over there that have been added that there's a lot of buzz. A lot of you are signing up for that email me uh, notification of when it comes back in stock, that back in stock email notification over there, which uh, anything that is out of stock, you can sign up for that. You will get an email notice when it comes in. But a couple of the big products that are over there. Uh, a couple of things to really be excited about. We have got a Baofeng 152 radio pouch that's going to be coming out. And uh, this one, there's a few that are on the market. I get it. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with any of those. Uh, but this one, I think, is the design of designs. It has uh, ports on both sides so you can connect your external microphones and, uh, you know, whatever it is that you need. It is a fold out pouch design so that if you're wearing it on your body, wearing the radio on your body, you can f definitely fold it out. Very similar, very similar to how we used to do with the Embitter and the Harris Falcon 3. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. And we have a chest rig design that is going to be coming out. It is in production right now in uh, M81 Woodland is the first camo uh, design that is coming out. Of course, we're going to have Coyote Tan. We're going to have OD Green. We 
are definitely going to have multi-cam as well, but there may be another camo pattern that might be coming out. And of course, that'll be a little bit later in the year. But the ETA on the first run of chess rigs in M81 Woodland, that's right, God's plaid, right? The, the camo that won the Cold War. And my f- personal favorite camo pattern, um, is it the best camo pattern in the world? No, uh, but um, it, it definitely looks awesome and it's one that, that I personally love. And uh, a lot of a lot of y'all also love it too, but um, we've got that one coming out first. And these these products are going to be at a at an every man price point, right? Every man price point. So you know, it's I, I'm really really excited because a lot of you reached out to me. Um, the gear that we have on the store, 100% American made gear that we have on the store is great stuff uh you know my very good friends over at wendigo works uh you know of course john ammons with uw gear and you know they they build just incredibly bomb proof stuff it's awesome but there were a lot of people out there were saying like look you know we're we're kind of in a uh you know pinching pennies to save dimes and and you know what would you recommend for somebody maybe at a lower uh in a lower budgetary constraint you know somebody that can't necessarily drop 180 200 on on a chess rig um and so you know hey y'all spoke i listened i reached out to uh some companies out there to see if if there were any kind of options what we had maybe at a lower price point where we're bringing a a huge amount of value and a huge amount of quality something that that is definitely going to be field worthy is going to stand the test of time uh heavyweight cordura you know very very well constructed and um got some samples of, of a few different things Settled on the one that I think really suits the needs. It fits AR-15 mags. It fits uh, AK-74 mags. It fits AK-47 mags as well. 762 by 39. Uh, so it's 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 very very versatile. This is going to be a very versatile rig, and coming in at just over a hundred dollars. I think it's at a price point that a lot of y'all are going to find uh, very attractive. And in certainly all the the colors, camo patterns, and configurations that y'all want. So that's what we've been working on. That's what I've got going on in Brush Peter Dye's store. We are constantly improving our position uh, and everything that we're doing. The thermals. Thermals. I said I was going to do an episode on um, equipment that I see coming to class. And that really the the best loadouts the best performing loadouts i see and i'm going to do an episode i'm currently writing a piece on that right now that that may end up being a three-parter i've got a class coming up this weekend that i need to focus on and when i'm back from that we're going to be rocking and rolling uh kicking out that content and working on the next book uh so really really excited a lot of exciting things but talking about thermal you know, it, it's it's crazy um, just how many units we're moving, and that's really speaking to y'all out there, and how serious you're taking uh, the need, the requirement to stay at that cutting edge of performance. Um, 
thermal is something that I kind of put in a, in a back seat to night vision for a long period of time. And I think that, that a lot of y'all out there did as well. Um, and I, I just want to clarify some things real quick before we dive into, uh, our, our topics here on the docket. Well, yeah, I, I really think now um, I'm starting to look at thermal as that might be the first thing that you want to buy. Night vision is something that you need for movement. And in that regard, it needs to be analog night vision. Don't, I, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. Digital night vision is a waste of your money. Okay, period. Like, end of story, end of discussion, have had people that are like, oh, but what about this? I don't offer those products, and if I don't offer something, there's a reason for it, okay? If if it, there's a very slim chance that I'm not aware of it's it's of what it is, but I'm telling y'all, if, if, it's night, if, it's, if it's in the night vision, thermal, IR laser world, um... And I don't offer it. There's probably a reason for that, right? Uh, could be a variety of things. Could be it's outside of the price point that it, that I think is is uh, reachable, attainable for for a lot of people out there. Um, could be that the the bang for the buck is just not there, and it could be that it's just fucking junk. Okay, um, and and when it comes to digital night vision, that's kind of my opinion on it. Um, not naming any companies, but um, sorry, it, it's it's just not there. Digital night vision is for taking uh, photographs after dark, maybe static observation, uh, something along those lines. But it, it's it, all the advantages that night vision offers you. Um, having nods, whether that's Gen two or Gen three nods movement in real time you don't get that with digital eye vision okay it's, it's, you you're just not getting that uh so you analog night vision is is really what you need to be looking at and the thing is is that with uh agm's wolf line of uh wolf 14s that we have uh that i have in stock here at brush Peter training consulting um you can find those over at brush store I was blown away by the Gen 2 units. And I'm typically of the mindset that, uh, you know, you really need, you really need, like, Gen 3, you need to be saving your pennies for Gen 3, um, you know, even entry-level Gen 3, because when it's really dark and, and there's no illumination whatsoever at night, if you're new to the night vision world, the, the, um, illumination from the moon natural illumination at night if you don't have any of that going on that's where you're going to see the difference between the generations but what i'll say is that these gen 2 units uh which i had previously kind of dismissed like uh, yeah i don't i don't really know if they're worth it um got a couple as a test unit was absolutely blown away by the quality absolutely blown away and so if you're looking to get into night vision and maybe you don't have a lot of money to spend you still need that capability for sure those gen 2 units i think are really the way to go and and let's say you you do have a a, a significantly higher budget 
those Gen 2 units are still really attractive. I mean, I bought a few for myself just to, to have on hand uh, for, you know, others that maybe I can't necessarily justify buying several Gen 3 units for myself, but I can justify buying the Gen 2 units for other people. And maybe I've got the higher end nods, which I do. And, you know, that, that's, but I'm an experienced user and I'm going to know the difference. Meanwhile, they still have that, that capability for the most part. Um, you know, where they're, they're giving up a little bit when it comes to maybe clarity at distance. Um, Maybe a little bit, you know, the, the, the farm is, is not quite as high on all of that stuff, meaning that, you know, the image resolution at distance, right? Um, but, you know, not everybody necessarily needs 2200 farm dual tubes. And if you do, I know who can hook you up. But uh, with that said, thermal, thermal is really in my mind the the how far we've come with the technology uh you know the the days of the past 13 um using like you know this is like 12 batteries in that thing double a batteries it was super heavy um you know it was it was kind of unwieldy and just as i said in in a piece that i wrote the other day you can find on americanpartisan.org uh, the great game changer uh which is thermal it we've come so far we did not really use the past 13 even though we had it we didn't really use it to the degree that it could have been implemented and done very well and it was because it was unwieldy it blew through batteries it was just not a good setup um really just just kludgy and you know we, we just ended up not really using it that much not as well as we could have. And so with that said, um, looking at where we are now with the technology is just really something incredible. Uh, it really, really is. And, you know, the, the AGM Stinger, that thing, I mean, you could fit it in the palm of your hand. It weighs almost nothing. You can wear it. It comes with a dovetail mount to wear on a uh, Wilcox GH24. This thing is, it, you can use it as a clip-on, um, you know, so you can put it out in front of your daytime optic. I mean, using it at night, the 640 resolution, that thing really is incredible. Uh, it, it, I mean, seeing is believing. It really is. And as as cool as that thing is, the 384 is beautiful too. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, you're you're giving up a little bit with the 384. Um, the 640 is is definitely you know far and away the, the best in class. Uh, but that 384 is perfectly serviceable, and and I I don't think that you're um, you're not undergunned with it. We'll put it like that. And of course, it, you know, if, if you want something that's going to be dedicated, uh, weapons mounted for something that that's larger than a five, five, six, and you know, you want to use it for thermal photography, taking pictures of different things, recording video, uh, that AGM rattler is, is really where you want to be. And so, uh, really awesome. Just really, really awesome. All around awesome. The level of capability the technology that is available to us is incredible, and I'm really proud to be offering it. 
really, really proud of this stuff. Really proud to finally be in a position to where we can we can do that and we can offer these products at the best prices that, that you're going to be able to find um, on the net. And um, it, it, it's, it's really, really important to me to, to be able to bring this stuff uh, to y'all with that regard. So, uh, you know, and, and it's all possible, by the way. It, it's all possible because of your support over at Brushbeater.store. Store. It, I mean, your, your support coming to class, coming out training, the books, uh, you know, your support of the store has made all of these things possible where it previously would not have been so. Um, it, you know, this, this stuff is very expensive to get into if, you know, you want to do it right. And we've been able to do that. So, um, you know, thank you. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, uh, jumping into current events here, you know, it, it's... Um, We've got Nikki Haley getting getting beat in her home state where she was the governor and getting beat by a lot. I mean, it's not even close. Um, you know, and, and she's going to continue to get beat. This is, I, I just don't think that this could have happened to a better person. Um, you know, she, she's, she is a, a neocon extraordinaire. Uh, she is a war profiteer, and uh, you know all of the personal stuff aside. There's a lot of off-color comments that have been made, and you know whatnot. And of course, she she earned those too. But you know, keeping it mature in here, um, you know, keeping it classy. I'll say that that you know we have no time for that stuff. Uh, you know, politicians of of that type, and. Um, you know, it, it's it's it couldn't have happened to a better person, in my opinion. Uh, so it, it's I, I I'm very delighted to see the neocons failing. I am very delighted to see that wing of the Republican Party collapsing, um, the financier wing, and uh, they rapidly are. It looks like that they're going to be putting their money behind Democrats in this one, uh, which is gonna gonna be an interesting thing for them. Uh, going to be an interesting thing for your your uh, everyday leftist out there who a decade ago was you know anti-war and you know let's let's bring our troops home and you know anti-foreign intervention and where are they now waving Ukrainian flags? It's interesting to me they they go from waving Ukrainian flags to waving Palestinian flags, literally in the same breath. Um, Ukrainian flags and Palestinian flags. And it, it's, it's very fascinating to me, uh, including the case of this airman, uh, this airman, this extremist in the ranks that, uh, you know, we, we remember <clears throat> how we were told extremists in the ranks, you know, oh, there's extremists in the ranks. Well, I would say that, that you know, dousing yourself in diesel fuel and lighting yourself on fire or kerosene or whatever it was, or gasoline, whatever, whatever, whatever petroleum product he was using, his petroleum product of choice, lighting himself on fire and screaming free Palestine, it's pretty, uh, pretty extreme, I would say. 
Uh, in the Air Force, Airman Bushnell, uh, Airman Bushnell, uh, unfortunately, took his own life, uh, self-immolation. And this is something that I pointed out on Twitter is is very significant. All right, this guy is very significant. This point is going to be lost on a lot of people on the right because the right wing in America and in the world seems to suffer from a few problems. Uh, one of them is, is they have a very limited historical view of the world. They fundamentally do not understand how leftists think. And the symbology that goes into Marxism and the praxis thereof. They do not understand that. They do not understand that Marxism... Revolutionary communism, the praxis therein, relies heavily upon martyrs. Of course, Christianity does. Islam, of course, we know does. Buddhism does. Most religions do. Marxism is a religion as well. It's an ism. Right? It's an ism that has its radical adherents. There's no passe communists out there. There's no, there's no communists that's out there saying, eh, I'm into that communism thing, but I mean, you know, eh, whatever, teach there. No, no such thing, right? No such thing. The goal of communism is revolutionary in nature. It is to break down the existing order. So with that said, this Airman Bushnell, who was a well-known communist before he went into the Air Force from San Antonio well-known communist, well-known in, in uh, social, uh, socialist circles. I almost said sociological. That's because I'm about to dive into some sociological topics here. Uh, but he certainly was, was um, high on the propaganda, goes into the Air Force for some unknown reason, uh, whatever it was he was doing. And personally, I don't, really care that much um, because I think it's irrelevant but the fact that he is exhibiting an extremist ideology in the ranks right? an extremist ideology in the ranks now we just spent almost four years of a purge an outright purge in the United States military of anyone with a opinion that ran afoul of COVID-19 and the COVID-19 regu uh, regulations, the guidelines, right, that were given us to be by the experts who weren't experts in anything and they turned out to be wrong. We also had a witch hunt for so-called white supremacy in the ranks, White supremacists in the ranks, right? All these white supremacists running around. We're going to run them all off, right? And anyone who criticizes women in combat arms, oh, 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 no, 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 no. Can't have that. We're going to run all of you off. You've run afoul of the Political Compliance Committee, the PC Police, Equal Opportunity, and you have to go. Right, that's what's happened. But radical left ideology, a outright communist, 
which is what this this guy was. That's fine. Right? Perfectly fine with that. Now, here's another point that is tragically lost on the right. And this is the point that I was making. My my Twitter account got locked uh, for a little while this morning because of this. I had an image of him juxtaposed to the uh, uh, Buddhist monk in Saigon in 1963 who burned himself to death in a demonstration uh, in Saigon. Now, that was against uh, the then president of South Vietnam, who was a Catholic, his policies against the Buddhists. But this has been an image, this was the image that was used by the radical left in the United States moving forward throughout the anti-war movement of the 1960s. It was epitomized uh, and iconized on the cover of Rage Against the Machine's first album as well. Uh, so, yeah, and that wasn't necessarily for shock value, although that's part of it. It is an outward demonstration and lionizing someone who is dying for their revolutionary beliefs, right? And, you know, Rage Against the Machine didn't care that that guy was a Buddhist monk. That wasn't why they used the symbology. They were using the symbology because of its association with revolutionary communism. That's why. And that seems to be a point, yet again, that's missed on a lot of people. Now, there was another guy, a street vendor in Tunisia. This kicked off the so-called Arab Spring. A lot of you forgot about that already because it happened a decade ago. Twelve years ago, in fact. Kind of hard to believe, man. It's crazy. Time flies. All right. Tempus fugit. The point is, is that was yet another call to arms. And that is what this is as well. There was a lot of people that I saw that, that seemed to get that twisted, and it has to do with their own political opinions on the whole Israel-Palestine conflict and, and what's going on there. Um, that is completely clouding the um, objectivity of a lot of people out there. This act, in and of itself, had very little to do with that. Um that was the cause, of course, he was screaming, right? But the larger cause is revolutionary communism, and that has a very deep tie to Palestine in particular. Um, he was also screaming about, in case you missed it, he was also screaming about colonizers and white people, uh, how white people are toxic and evil and bad, and that colonizers, quote-unquote, uh, this is yet again outward revolutionary communism, right? It's overt. It's out there. This is the symbology. This is what he's tying himself to. This is, you know, it, it's, it's there, right? But instead, a lot of people on the right who, who want to be critical of Israel and, hey, that's fine. You know, knock yourself out. Uh, that's a conversation that, that I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, it, it, it's a hot button issue. Okay. To put it lightly, it is a hot button issue, but that's not the point I care about here at home. I care about the culture here in the United States. 
I care about the fact that something that I've said over and over again that seems to be lost on everybody is that there's a militant left in the United States that is very much at war with both the United States government and you and I. Freedom-loving, conservative Americans. They see us as one and the same. Now, the thing is, is that the United States government is also at war with us. We understand this. They say so. Christopher Ray says so. Right? Merrick Garland says so. But they represent the political class. And so, on the right, we look at that as, well, they're against us. Right? That's fine. And they're giving the militant left a free pass. Yes, they are. But that does not mean that they're in bed with the militant left. They are mutually exclusive from one another. And this is a concept that many on the far right have an extremely difficult time even comprehending, let alone understanding how to mitigate. And so, with that said, I want to talk a little bit about this guy's act of suicide itself. Because a lot of people misunderstand suicide as a topic, as a thing. They don't understand, in particular, the difference between the types of suicide and, and why they occur. And we can uh, point this to one of the founders and fathers of sociology, the first man to actually use statistics in a sociological study, and that is Emil Durkheim in his work, Suicide. Uh, Mill Durkheim in 1897 looked at the suicide rate in contemporary France in an effort to understand why people were killing themselves. This is the most interesting thing that people can do besides kill one another, why they do that. But what is it about us that leads us to kill ourselves? And there's a number of reasons why we do this, and it's not isolated to, oh, well, I felt depressed, and man, I really screwed my life up, and uh, you know, uh, nobody likes me, and, and yeah. Okay, um, and then, of course, there's, uh, you know, people make big deal out of the tw whole 22-a-day thing. All right, look, and, and I will tell you this. I had, uh, I've had close friends... Uh, two in particular that they killed themselves. Um, one did it in front of a lot of us. Another one did it by himself. Um, when and he kind of had had uh, and this was after I, he was out of the army. Um, the one that that did kill himself in front of a lot of us. Um, that one was kind of out of the blue. You know there, there weren't. There weren't a whole lot of signs with him. Uh, with with my other good friend, though, who who unfortunately took his own life after he was out of the army, um, there there weren't a lot of signs beforehand. Um, but you know, when he was out, I didn't really talk to him a whole lot after he was out, and uh, apparently there were, and and that one kind of that one hit me hard. All right. But I encountered other suicides, too, while I was in. So this is something I know I firsthand experience with, know a little bit about. Unfortunately, I wish that I didn't, but I do. Okay, And um, that is what it is, man. But we have to study this in a clinical fashion to begin to understand why. And this gives us a perspective on things. And this, I, I, what, what I'm telling you is, is what, I, what I hope to impart here, is why this is such a dangerous signal for what I think is coming soon. Very soon. 
All right, so according to Durkheim, he broke suicide down into a few different categories. Uh, first is is egoistic suicide. Uh, this is the the prolonged sense of not belonging. You know, oh well, life sucks, and I don't get along with anybody, and I'm just a man apart, right? Uh, so when you're detached from society, you don't have any attachments, you don't have any friends, you, you, you kind of lose your purpose in the world, right? And so this is typically what we think of. This is what I attribute the, the 22 a day suicide rate uh, to. This is what I, I think of it, uh, how I conceptualize it. Uh, because we were a part of something and then we are individualized once we're out. And we seek that same sense of belonging, veterans do at least. We think that that um, we want that same sense of belonging and we don't get it. We can't get it from anything else. And uh, this, by the way, also is why prisoners will recidivate. Uh, a very... Uh, analogous reason to why the recidivism rate occurs. And, and uh, this is called prisonization, by the way. Uh, but, but that explains that. Moving down the list here, altruistic suicide. So altruistic suicide is the one that's in question here because you are overwhelmed by a larger group's goal. Their identity becomes your identity. The group identity is now applied to the individual, and the individual is now the embodiment of the group's ideals. And when this occurs, there is no stronger showing of allegiance to that larger group that provides the identity than dying for it. Okay? That's altruistic suicide. This is where martyrdom comes into play. This is why a lot of people in the, the 2000s, when Iraq was hot and heavy and suicide bombings were just through the roof, right? saw a lot of that, experienced a whole lot of that. Um, Kirkuk, there was a lot of that going on. All right. Um, this is this is how people are, are willing to die for a cause, and that was what happened here. That is how we can explain that here. Uh, moving down the list, anomic suicide or anomi, uh, not anime for, for some of you weeboos out there, but anomi is the uh, moral confusion, lack of social direction. Uh, there is a lot of social and economic upheaval. This is kind of what we would apply to bankers, for example. You had attachments to society, the stronger society, and they were interrupted all of a sudden, not by choice, not by choice. And your, your, your uh, sense of self-worth and what provided you that sense of self-worth has now been taken away. And that creates enemy. You are you are separated from the larger body social and not by your own choosing, not by your own choosing. And so uh, applying that to the bankers, whenever we look at, you know, uh, um, there's like the guys over at Zero Hedge that say, like, oh, you know, X number of bankers committed suicide this month. This must mean something crazy is going to happen in the market. Right. This is actually what they're looking at here is is that that is the definition for that is anomic suicide. Uh, last is fatalistic suicide. This is the fa this is uh, the fatal type. They're, they're all a fatal type. The fatalistic suicide 
this happens when uh, society has too many rules, right? There's too many rules. You can't really get ahead. This is what I call uh, the Japanese style suicide. You know how they have the suicide forest and uh, Japan has this obsession with suicide as a culture. Um, they kind of always have, you know, with, with seppuku and, and a violation of the code of honor and, you know, it, it but that it, post World War Two that has uh, socially that has evolved quite a bit. Um, and, you know, they have the suicide forest where people go and they, you know, they don't come back. Um, and that is because Japanese society is very, very rigid. Very, very rigid, very rules-based, very structured, and if you violate that social structure and those mores in, in any sort of way, now all of a sudden you you know you run into problems, and there's there's really um, only a few avenues for regaining that code of honor uh, without becoming completely apostate to the larger social entity. Right. So that, that's how you can kind of conceptualize these types of suicide. So moving back to altruistic suicide, um, you know, we really haven't seen an act like this in the United States in some time, uh, that I think has the social shock factor. And I think that it's kind of a, a condemnation of society these days that, uh, it still doesn't have the shock factor that it probably would have had 20 years ago. Um, but it is what it is anyhow, but th that's exactly what this is. All right. This guy, he is completely in the tank for his cause. Right, they're rallying around the flagpole right now. That's that's going to be for you know Palestine. Tomorrow it's going to be for for communism. You notice that that the the red flags, the red banners, are marching in force in New York City. Just as Chuck Schumer and Mayor Eric Adams are hanging out and wearing the sashes of the Chinese Communist Party. And waving the CCP flag, by the way. There's a video of that. It's up on AmericanPartisan.org. You can see it. So, there's a correlation there. Um, that's probably food for a whole other episode. But you have a revolutionary left in the United States that is very much willing to overthrow the existing order. They are ready to do this. They are ready to go for it. You know, we've seen a lot of small-scale attacks that have flown under the radar. And the United States government seems to be hapless in even admitting that there is a problem here. That's why this guy, I promise, if you dig into him, he had a clearance. He very likely had a, a TS clearance, if I had to guess. If I had to guess this guy worked in the intel field, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, and I'm willing to be wrong. Uh, but he just kind of seemed like to me, if he's working in Washington, DC, um, you know, anyhow, doesn't matter. Senior here nor there, but they completely overlooked the defense security service, which did his clearance packet completely overlooked all this stuff, completely overlooked it. So did his command because they knew to. 
They knew too. Completely overlooked it. And I'm telling you, if a guy is willing to soak himself in petroleum and light himself on fire while screaming, free Palestine, free them from the colonizers, man, oh man, this isn't his first rodeo. Okay? Not his first rodeo. But you have to look at the response to this. You have people like Cornell West who are lionizing this guy. You have the Democratic Socialists of America who are lionizing this guy. You have militant leftists all over the internet that are lionizing this guy. They're putting it out there. They are lionizing this dude. He is a martyr. He is the embodiment. He is the altruistic suicide that they are pointing to now as that guy. He was the litmus test. He was willing to die for our cause. That's him right there. Just as the Buddhist monk did in 1963, Saigon. Just as that little market shopkeeper in Tunisia did. Both of which kicking off wars. Domestic insurgencies. Now, is it going to do that? Well, we'll see. It's certainly an election year, is it not? It's certainly uh, reaching the boiling point. The powder keg is lit. The fuse is very short. And these are people who have demonstrated without a doubt, without a doubt, that they are at war. And they're in the ranks. They're in the ranks. So, you know, with that said, you know, it, it I, I really I could I could talk about this till I'm blue in the face. I can present you the sociological um, uh, modeling here. I can present to you the knowledge. I can tell you what they're going to do. It's not like that I have a magic crystal ball and I just know these things, right? No, it's it's because I know a thing or two about a thing or two. These behaviors follow a pattern. And this pattern is putting us in some very treacherous waters. I pray that I am wrong. I pray that I am wrong. But I don't think that I am. I do not think that I am. But that's why I do everything that I do. And that's why I know that a lot of you in that audience out there that are listening to this do everything that you can as well. You know, our border is wide open. And there's a lot of real bad people coming in as we are already beginning to see. The gray zone war with the United States is hitting its stride. right? The Venezuelans... This is a repeat of 1980s Cuba, right? Dump the prisons, send them all into the United States, flood South Florida with all of the problem children that you can, and watch the crime rate skyrocket. That is exactly what Venezuela has done. And Nicaragua. And Nicaragua. And probably a lot of other countries, too. Just wait and see. Just wait and see. They certainly aren't sending their best and brightest. And I feel bad too because these, the cultures themselves, knowing people, knowing people from Venezuela uh, who came here legally, some of the some of the greatest Americans you're ever going to meet. Seriously, um, some of the just absolute best people 
that, that you could ever want to meet. Just great, great people. But the people that are coming here illegally, different story. Completely different story. And we're entering scary times. You couple all of these things together. All of them together. Like a big scatter plot. It's starting to paint a picture. And a very ugly one at that. So you better take things seriously. You better take your training seriously. If you're not out there training, I really don't know what to tell you. Uh, I really do not know what to tell you. But every single day, you need to be making yourself better than you were yesterday. With that said, folks, brushbeater.store, lots of products over there. We've got a lot more that is going to be coming out. Really, really excited about the chest rigs, the radio pouches, and we are just getting warmed up. We are just getting warmed up. AGM Thermal, US Night Vision for the Night Vision. We've got all kinds of products out there, lots of different price points. I have listened to every piece of input that y'all have given, your communications, getting that squared away, everything that you need, folks, everything you need. Take care. God bless. Get yourselves squared away, and I will talk to you again very, very soon. Sensi Scout, out.